Thanks for listening to the Three Strands podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. So anyway, we're glad you're here. If uh, you're just joining us, we're in the last part, the last part of this series, Talking Funny, where we've been taking some southern sayings. If you grew up in the country, you know, you've heard some of these and kind of seeing what does the Bible has to say about these different areas and uh, had some encouragement this morning when I walked in uh, from my favorite person in the church, Merle. He said, uh, Kenny, is this the, the fifth week of this series? And I'm like, yeah, fifth week. It seems longer than that. That's what he said. <laughs> seems like it was, it's been a lot longer than that. So if you have not enjoyed this, it's over today, okay? So you'll get the varsity preacher up again next week. But anyway, uh, about a year ago, I, I decided, because we have a fern expert in this church. Did you know that? Aaron is an expert on ferns. He taught me a whole lot about how to keep ferns alive because I kept killing them. But anyway, uh, we get ferns every spring, and I decided that when fall rolled around, instead of paying all this money for ferns every year, I was just going to make them last all winter long in the garage. That was my goal, instead of buying new ones, and I would just keep them forever. But uh, the problem is that they, you know, after about two months, they started shedding, and all these leaves were in my garage, and so every Saturday I have to sweep out a bunch of leaves. And so one winter dad had enough. I was just sick of getting leaves out of my garage. And so I thought, uh, I'm just going to throw them away and I'd rather get new ones than put up with this. And so what happened next is what our security cameras uh, caught on video. And then my kids later posted all over social media. Take, take a look. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Give it up, yeah. Um, I just fell the one time, okay? Maddox decided to turn into a TikTok, Tic Tac, whatever they're called, and uh, he just made me fall over and over to that stupid song. But uh, that was not my most graceful moment, I'll give you that, okay? I did not see that patch of ice there as I was getting rid of those ferns with snow on the ground. But uh, I always like how every time I watch that, how I tried to get up real quick in case anybody, I was the only one home, but I tried to get up real quick and look around like in case anybody was watching, you know? And then I thought, I'm going to go look at the cameras. And so mistake number one was sending that to my kids. But um, I mean, one thing we, we probably all have in common is that we don't want people to see us not at our best. Uh, we put on our highlight reel, you know, on social media so people will see the best stuff in our lives, not, not the worst. We don't want them to see that. And so today's phrase, we're going to finish this series up with the phrase playing possum or pretending to be something that we're really not. And if you know anything about possums, you know that they will play dead uh, to keep their attacker from coming close to them. We had one that kind of lived in our front yard last year, and every time our bulldog, Mac, he's not all there anyway, but he would run down, and he would go after that possum and chase it, and then it would just fall down every time and play dead. And he would sniff around, you know, all around it, and eventually he would just leave. And I don't know if you remember uh, that Geico commercial that came out years ago that illustrates this whole playing uh, possum idea. Take a look at this. I love this commercial. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Save money, by the way. Didn't wanna, the kids wanted a puppy, so want to save money. I like that. Us dads want to save money. We'll just give them a possum. <laughs> but anyway, as followers of Jesus, a great thing is that we don't ever have to pretend And that's the point I want to drive home today about uh, this idea of playing possum. We don't have to pretend. 
We don't have to hide anything. We don't have to cover anything up. We can be real, completely honest about what's going on in our lives. And what we're learning in this church is that there is safety and there's freedom in living our lives that way, isn't there? Just in being you, being real. And that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, he writes this to us. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, we're, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power, it's from God, not from ourselves. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. He says, we're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Now that passage reminds us that we're not alone, that you and I, we are like fragile clay jars, he says. And all of us face challenges in our daily lives with, with different things, but guess what? We're all here right? We're still here. None of us are dead. None of us have to play possum and act like it's the end of our lives, that it's already happened when it's not, you know? And that's where Jesus comes in. Jesus knew that managing our image would be one of the most uh, tiring things, the most draining things that you and I could ever attempt to do or spend our time and energy trying to do. So when you read through the Bible and his teaching, he consistently illustrates this battle between authenticity and hypocrisy. Jesus wants the private us and the public us to be the same. He wants the private us and the public us to line up. He wants who we are on Sunday and then who we are the rest of the week to match up. In 1 Corinthians 3, uh, the first part of verse 18 says it like this. So all of us who have had the veil, the mask, removed, can see and reflect the glory of God. And guys, some of us need to take off the mask. Just take it off. There is truth in that verse, guys. But there's also freedom in it. And there's rest. We don't have to act like that we have it all together. Because let's just be honest, we don't. Nobody in this room has it all together. And there's freedom in realizing and living like that. I heard about two little boys who were having a conversation. And one said to the other one, he said, my grandpa took me fishing last night. And the other little boy said, you have a grandpa? And he said, yeah, don't you? He said, no, mine died. And the other little boy said, why did he do that for? When it comes to death, all of us fall into one of two camps. For those of us who follow Jesus, we believe that what he did for us on the cross gives us victory over death. Okay? If you don't follow Jesus, then you may, to be, you may be scared to death of death. But for those of us who follow Jesus, he gives us a principle that we get to live by that is absolutely freeing. You ready for it? This is the, the big idea for today. Here it is. No performance equals no pressure. For those of us who follow Jesus, we get to live by this. No performance equals no pressure. In other words, we don't have to impress anyone. There's no need to get in a rush or to get in a hurry because we're going to live forever. We are deeply and we're divinely loved by God. And if you struggle with that this morning, uh, we're just realizing that, 
Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2, in verse 10. And just internalize this. This is what he says. For we are God's masterpiece. Ever thought about yourself like that? That you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You know, one of the biggest challenges for some of us is coming to grips with that fact that that's how God sees you, that you really are a masterpiece. You see, he doesn't look at you and see all of your failures and your mistakes and your sins and your bad habits. No, it says he sees us as a masterpiece who he's created to do good things that he planned for us a long time ago. And so this whole big idea today that no performance equals no pressure, I think that there are three things that threaten that belief that I want to tackle this morning. Three things in our hearts and in our minds that kind of affect that no performance, no pressure idea. And the first one is this. The first one's our pace in life. Our pace in life threatens that. Many people are just chasing stuff. They're looking for fulfillment in things. Uh, Chad, that word fulfillment means satisfaction, okay? That's an inside joke, sorry. But uh, they're looking for fulfillment or satisfaction in, in, in people and to fill a void that really only God can fill. I've, I've used this illustration before, but you know that little toy they had when you were toddlers and it's got the different shapes, the X and the cross and the circle. And people are trying to fit one shape into one that it doesn't fit into and it's just not going to fit. There is a God-shaped void inside of each of us and it's shaped like a J. And the only thing that's going to fit in there is Jesus. And we can shove all kinds of things trying to push them in there, but it's not going to fit. Only Jesus can fill that void. And I know it sounds simple, and I'm not trying to oversimplify things, but listen, no matter what the problem is that you're going through in life, the answer really is Jesus. I mean that. I know it's like a Sunday school term, but it's true. No matter what the problem is, the answer is Jesus. Pick a problem today, and Jesus provides a clear, simple solution to it. Dr. Meyer Friedman is the cardiologist who came up with the phrase type A personality. Uh, the picture will be up on the screen there. His research was centered around how living at too fast of a pace can be harmful to our well-being and lead to an increase in heart attacks. And in his research, he made this observation. He said this, Hurry is a sickness. It's a contagious struggle to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. I agree with him. And I agree with him because I sometimes experience this in my own life. And guys, if we get caught up in that rat race, we can lose sight just like that of who God has called us to be. Why don't you try this this week? Just one night. Try one night this week just to cook a meal at home. Invite some friends over or some of your family members and just put your phones down for a few minutes and just have a meaningful conversation. That seldom happens in today's families. And just treasure that time together, just a few minutes. Or how about this? Just take five minutes every day to just sit and think. Don't do anything else. Just sit and think and kind of evaluate your life. And kind of see what God's uh, direction that God may be taking your life in. Or how about this? Just go out in nature 
for a little while and just sit still before your creator. Whatever it is, just pick an activity that forces you to be still. I have to make myself do that each day. Just sit for a few minutes. I think about just in my own lifetime how I've witnessed the pace in our culture just speed up at a rate that's not sustainable and it's not healthy for us. Well, Jesus has a different expectation for you and I. Look in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I like how the message paraphrases these, these three verses when he says this. Are you tired? Before we read anything else, we need to be able to answer that question honestly. We just need to be real and honest. Are you tired? It's okay to say, yeah, I'm exhausted. He says, are you worn out? How about this one? Are you burned out on religion? You know, sometimes part of the problem is religion. It's our faith. We, we feel like we have to jump through all these different hoops. You know, if, if you were raised up in a works-based church, somebody thought you had to be good to get to heaven, all these good things to get God to like you, you know, uh, you're probably going to feel burnout. It's going to add to the burden because you feel like you're not measuring up to God. You're trying to please God rather than simply just trust Him. So Jesus says, come to me. We turn to all kinds of things. We turn to food. We turn to entertainment. When Jesus says, will you just turn to me? And here's why. He says, get away with me and guess what will happen? You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that what some of us need in the room? We need to learn to live freely and lightly with our Lord. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we're going to live forever. And so we don't need to be in a rush. Pace will keep us from experiencing this no performance equal, equals no pressure type of lifestyle. The second thing is this, pedestals, pedestals, or, or the people that we look up to, the people that you and I respect and the ones that we pattern our lives after, famous athletes or movie stars or popular musicians or social media influencers. We have a tendency, don't we, to, to kind of compare who we are with who they are or what we have with what they have. And what's going to happen when you and I do that is it's going to rob us of our contentment. It's going to rob us of joy. And it's going to rob us of our peace. If you, if you read through the scriptures, you'll see when Jesus uh, was confronting the Pharisees on a regular basis, he would often say three words to them before he said what he was going to say. And he would say this, don't be like, right? Don't be like. He knew that the people he was speaking to in the audience that day wanted to be like the Pharisees because everyone looked up to them. They envied their position. They envied their power and their wealth. And Jesus warned the crowd that you, you, you really don't want to be like them. When I was growing up, a guy named Deion Sanders was one of the best athletes in my lifetime. And I read this book back in the day um, entitled on the screen there. But he, he played Major League Baseball and in the NFL, the National Football League, at the same time. That's like unheard of. I don't know two people that have ever done that. He played in both the World Series and the Super Bowl. 
But in his autobiography there, he kind of pulls back the curtain and he lets us see what was really happening on the inside of him at the height of his success, okay? He was at the top of his game in both sports, and in that book he says this. He says, everything I touched turned to gold, but inside I was broken and I was totally defeated. He said, I remember sitting at the back of the practice field one afternoon, away from everybody, and tears were just, were just running down my face. I was saying to myself, this is so meaningless. I'm so unhappy. We're winning every single week, and I'm playing great, but I'm not happy. I tried everything, parties, women, buying expensive jewelry and gadgets, but nothing helped. I had everything the world had to offer, but no peace. No joy, just emptiness inside. Guys, there are dozens of famous people who feel that exact same way. We have to be careful who we put on a pedestal and who we pattern our lives after. Just because they're on television and make lots of money doesn't mean they're good role models for us and our kids. I heard about a Bible college out in Kansas City who was searching for a new president after the current president had resigned. A hundred people applied for that position, and so they put together a search committee, and they narrowed their list down to five candidates. But the committee was torn between those five candidates, and so there was this older, wiser committee member, and they suggested interviewing a janitor from, each, from a building where each of those five candidates had previously worked. And kind of get, you know, their perspective on whether or not they think that person is qualified or not. And so that's what they did. Okay, very wise move, I think. They had a conference call with five different janitors. And there was one janitor who said this. He said, this guy, every time he shows up, he asks me about my wife and my kids. He shows interest in my life and he pays attention to what I say. He's always made time for me. Can't remember a time he, he didn't just stop what he was doing and make time for me. And you know what? Based on the recommendation of that janitor, that's the guy they chose to be the president. That's a lesson that all of us need to learn about pedestals and who that we decide or choose to put up on them. Because the truth is this, everyone in your life will let you down eventually, except for Jesus. We're, we're all sinners and we're going to let people down except for Jesus. So, the last thing that threatens this no performance equals no pressure mindset is this. Perfectionism. Okay, it's not just pedestals, it's not just pace, but it's perfectionism. And I'll just be honest with you, I struggle with this in many areas as well. Uh, my family would call it OCD, you know. But I'll also be honest that one area I don't struggle is taking selfies. Okay, I don't think I have ever taken a selfie and posted it on social media. But many people do this multiple times a day where they'll take a picture of themselves, they'll use a bunch of filters just to get it just right and perfect, and then post it, okay? None of this is sin, by the way, I'm just saying. But what happens after they post it is they'll wait and see how many likes and comments they can get. You know, some of you have done that, right? You've seen it. And uh, especially in high school, it's crazy, right? Some girl would do it, get it right, doesn't look anything like herself, post it, and then here we go. Just wait. Here we go. You are so pretty, girl. No, you are. You're pretty. No, you are. And like they get in a fight over who's prettiest. It's crazy, right? No, you're pretty. No, I said you were first, and here we go. So anyway, but what's dangerous about that 
is that person's emotions are going to be determined by, by this perceived standard of perfection. You know, and listen, when we get our self-worth from comments on social media, there's just not a whole lot that's healthy or good about that. And it's why Paul says in Romans 12, the second part of verse 3, don't think you're better than you really are. Just be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, he says. I'm going to read something from the screen to help us see that all of us are in need of more grace than we realize, which is readily available, by the way. But it's from a study that was done in England. You ready? Take a look at this. According to research at an English university, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter is at the right place. The rest can be a total mess, and you can still read it without a problem. This is because we do not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Research is pretty good. Didn't you just read that with no problem? Yeah. But you know what's amazing about this study? Is that what's true for words in a sentence is also true for people in a church. The pressure is off at this church. I want you to know that. You don't have to be perfect here. In fact, we have a saying around here that goes like this. No perfect people allowed. No perfect people allowed, except for Jesus, by the way. We always want him to be here, okay? We're not ever kicking Jesus out. But the truth is, we just need to be honest about being imperfect. Jesus took care of the perfection thing for us. Guys, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have everything figured out about life. Jesus has all of those answers for us. He has everything figured out already. And I don't know if you're into like recycling or not, but I want you to know that God is. God is into the recycling business. He takes people and he recycles them. He redeems them and he repurposes them, especially people that the world doesn't place any value on. And so I want you to know this morning that you are surrounded in here by a bunch of people at this church who've been through much of the stuff that you're going through. We truly are a me too kind of church. There's nothing you're going to say about your lifestyle or what you've said, what you've done, what uh, you're thinking, you know, that's going to surprise any of us. Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. Now, your sin may be different than my sin. I get that. But it's still sin, and Jesus had to die for it all. So I want you to know this morning, you are truly in a safe place to ask some questions, uh, some important questions about life. You don't have to play possum. You don't have to pretend that you've got it all figured out when you don't, because neither do we. And for those of us, listen, who have been following Jesus for a while now, for those of you sitting here that you've been a Christian for a long time, it's important for us to remember what it was like before that relationship began. Don't ever lose sight of what it felt like, because on this side of things, it's better, isn't it? It's not perfect. But it's way better with Jesus directing our lives. I think we would all agree with that. But I want to share with you a letter. It's a little lengthy. But I want to share with you a letter that was written by a non-Christian to their Christian friend trying to help them understand where he was coming from. And it's important for us to listen to this. If we're going to continue to keep this a safe place 
for those people that walk in here each week seeking after truth. Listen up to this letter. This is what he wrote. He said, I don't consider myself a pagan. Not sure I like unchurched or irreligious either, although it's a step up. Ideally, how about just calling me by my name? I honestly don't mind when you invite me to your church and and talk to me about God, but just keep it natural, like when we talk about sports or movies. I hate feeling like a project. Let's keep it a conversation between friends and as friends. And please don't be threatened by my questions. They really are just questions, and I've had them for a long time. I hope that if Christianity is true, it can stand up under any amount of intellectual scrutiny. I'd feel much better if you weren't threatened when I asked a question. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to sort it all out, and that means asking you about all kinds of things. I know sometimes it seems combative or aggressive, but God God questions aren't exactly tame or safe. For me, the answers I hear, they're everything. And don't forget that a lot of my junk's emotional. It's not just intellectual. I've been burned, disillusioned, and hurt. You may win some of our verbal contests, but it doesn't usually move me forward. It leaves me feeling cold because most of the time the intellectual stuff is just a smokescreen for what I'm really battling. It's not just whether I can buy into this intellectually, but relationally. In other words, are you really safe? Don't make me feel stupid about not knowing much about the Bible or Jesus, but can we agree that there's a lot of weird stuff attached to Christianity and the Bible? I mean, it may be true or real or whatever, but but some of it's just a bit bizarre. It would make me feel better if you would acknowledge how how it may all look and feel to someone on the outside. And just own that you've screwed up. Just be real. I do it all the time. But this parading and posturing just turns me off. It makes me feel like the spiritual one because at least I don't pretend to be something I'm not. And I really like it when you help people. Care for the poor, help the homeless, take care of widows, protect orphans. That gets my attention because it feels authentic. It's also convicting because I'm not doing much in those areas. Yeah, I write a check out every now and then, but I'm not on the front line. And when you are, it makes me have to listen to what you say, whether I like it or not. I'm really open to it all more than I let on. In fact, I want to feel good about myself spiritually, but I don't think I could ever measure up. When I think about God, all I feel is guilt and shame, and so I stay away. It would be nice if there was something in all this that made me feel like I could maybe just come home. Guys, that letter demonstrates that the people God's called us to love, they don't need us to be perfect. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They just need us to be real. They just need us to be humble and honest about our imperfections. Because the the more divided that the world becomes, the more united the church must become around its central mission of simply loving our neighbor the way that God has loved us. That's it. This lady on the screen's name is Florence Chadwick. In 1952, she decided to swim from Catalina Island in the Pacific Ocean 26 miles to the beaches of San Diego. And she got in the water and and she began her swim. And in the boat next to her was her mom and her brother who were there just kind of simply to encourage her. 
in the other boat next to her was a group of men who were trained to kill sharks in case they posed a threat to her, okay? So she gets in and begins swimming in 15 hours and 55 minutes into the swim with millions of people watching on TV, fog sets in. And they had prepared for everything except fog. Well, what happened was they all got disoriented. And the people that were there helping her navigate, they didn't know what direction to send her in. And so all of a sudden, she mentally lost focus and had to be pulled into the boat. And afterwards, in the interview, she said this. She said, I didn't quit because I was tired, though I am. I didn't quit because I was cold, though I am. She said, I quit because I just couldn't see the shore. You know, she was less than a mile from her destination. Some of you got out of bed this morning, and it's just real, isn't it? You don't feel like you can handle another week of work in that place with those people. For some of you, it's financial. There's pressure on you that you're feeling on how to pay for college or to put braces on your kids' teeth or how to retire someday. And it's exhausting. It's wearing you out. For others of you, it's relational. Your marriage is just a bunch of unmet expectations and it's headed towards death and you can feel it. Or maybe it's with your kids. You feel this separation between you and them and you just can't figure out how to, how to bridge the gap. And you feel ready to quit. Pull me in the boat. I'm done. I'm finished. Can I encourage you this morning that if that's you, don't quit. Don't quit. Listen, the shore is probably closer than you think. And if the shore's not, I know that God is. I know he is. He promised in Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18, to be near to us, to be close to the brokenhearted. It says the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord, listen, he's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And then Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, I like the way the, the message paraphrased verse 12. He said, we don't see, uh, we don't yet see things clearly. He says, we're, we're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long. It won't be long before the weather clears up and the sun shines bright. We'll, we'll see it all then. We'll see it all as clearly as God sees, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. Guys, don't give up. The destination and God are closer than you realize. I promise you that. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for the person sitting here this morning who feels exactly like I just described. That they're ready to quit. They're ready to throw in the towel. They're ready to climb back into the boat. Would you just encourage them this morning that the shore really is closer than they think? And just because we can't see it at times, we have a Heavenly Father who can. And all we have to do is trust. Father, I pray for the people in this room who are trying to perform, that we're trying to get, get you to love us based on our performance and, and trying to please you instead of just simply trust you. God, would you help us just to stop? Just to stop. Just realize that what you did for us is good enough, and we just have to simply trust in that. That we're never going to work our way to heaven and be good enough. It's simply by your amazing grace 
that any of us are going to heaven. And we thank you for that because we're just not good enough. So help us to take off the mask, stop playing possum, and just be real and authentic. Father, would you help us to do that this week? We ask it in Jesus' name.